This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Eliza Harvey. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday the 24th of January. In your Squiz today, the UK accuses Russia of plotting to install a new leader in Ukraine, a long road for Tonga's recovery, COVID back-to-school plans, and remembering rock god Meatloaf. This is your Squiz today. We'll start today with the ongoing crisis in Ukraine. Over the weekend, the UK government claimed that Russia is scheming to install a pro-Moscow government there after the former Kremlin-friendly regime was overthrown in a popular uprising in 2014. It's a big call from the Brits, Claire, and an accusation that might normally be issued by diplomats behind closed doors. It is a big call and something that's very unusual, as you say. There's been lots of speculation about exactly what those UK politicians are doing. But what analysts say it's all about is that if the UK is sitting on intelligence, that that's what Russia is trying to do, that it is trying to put a puppet government into Ukraine and overthrow the current regime, then that means that by calling it out, if it actually happens, uh, Russia can't get away with saying that it's an independent Ukrainian political movement. What the world can say is, well, actually, maybe something was happening. But what it points to is that really serious moves are happening in Ukraine and certainly all the tension about Russia invading or certainly trying to subvert the Ukrainian political system, it's still on the boil. Yeah, and both Russia and the man the UK says would be installed as the new leader, Yevhen Mureyev, have dismissed it as a fantasy. And Claire, now we get set for more tense talks between Russia and the West, I imagine. Yep, lots of talks happening between Russia and the US. They're ongoing. They were having really serious talks last week. That hasn't come to anything. Uh, The next step there is that Russia says that it's going to receive a written response from the United States this week. The US has a slightly different spin on that. They say that they're going to share their concerns and ideas. So that's something to look forward to this week. Uh, Also, there are political meetings between officials from Russia, Ukraine, France and Germany. They're getting together in Paris this week, so it's certainly still on the boil. And one event that's serving as a bit of a deadline is the Winter Olympics in Beijing that get underway on the 4th of February. Presidents Putin and China's Xi Jinping are mates, and there's speculation that Xi has asked Putin to cool his heels, or perhaps jets, as the case may be, until the Games are over. It's almost back to school time and the states of New South Wales and Victoria have announced plans for getting kids back into the classroom, Claire. Talk us through it. There's lots of focus on New South Wales and Victoria, of course, because a lot of COVID cases are still being reported in those states. And they're also led by premiers who are determined to open schools and to keep them open despite those high case numbers. So lots of parents have been wondering exactly how that's going to work with groups of people coming together, including their children. So what those premiers announced yesterday is rapid antigen tests, those rats that we've been talking a lot about, uh, are going to be available to parents and to staff of schools. They're going to ask them to test twice weekly and if there's a positive test to then report it to authorities. Uh, What both premiers say is they don't want to close schools. They want to be able to contain any outbreaks and testing twice weekly is their way through that. 
Yeah, and the New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet acknowledged that parents are anxious about that return to school, but he said that kids do better in the classroom. And while we're on the topic of COVID, Claire, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has introduced tougher restrictions over the ditch, which also means she's had to put her own wedding on hold. Tonga now, where three Australian flights carrying critical supplies in the aftermath of last weekend's massive volcanic eruption and tsunami, have arrived with a much-needed delivery, Claire. Yeah, they've taken some of those critical supplies, uh, also clean-up equipment and some telco infrastructure. Uh, Lots of concerns about all of those items uh, not being up and running in Tonga at this point in time. Uh, So there'll be a lot of work happening around that this week. Uh, Australia is just one nation that's supporting Tonga. New Zealand, Japan, France, the UK, uh, other Pacific Island nations are also involved in that aid effort. The big focus is on clean drinking water. What the Red Cross says is that there are stagnant pools of salt water from that tsunami uh, that have contaminated drinking supplies for tens of thousands of people. Yes, a huge humanitarian effort on the ground there in Tonga. And there are some incredible tales of survival starting to emerge. One man told the BBC that he was dragged out to sea. He could actually hear his son calling out from the land, but he didn't want to put his son in danger. So he found his own way back safely to the land. The US Federal Reserve is expected to break from its COVID emergency stance this week and raise interest rates. And Claire, that comes off the back of a rocky week on the Nasdaq Global Stock Exchange. There's a lot of uncertainty in the market at the moment. As you say, the US central bank changing its position uh, on interest rates is just one factor. Uh, But also what's happening in Ukraine is another. Uh, The impact that that could have on the energy market, all sorts of things happening in the market at the moment. The NASDAQ, which is a global stock exchange based in New York, fell 7.6% last week. That's its worst performance since March. 2020. When you think of all the water under the bridge since the start of the pandemic, it really does indicate exactly how much the market is jittery at the moment. Uh, That also came across here to Australia, our ASX 200 stock. So the top 200 companies on that index uh, fell 3% last week, and that's its worst performance since October 2020. Uh, Not faring well with all of that uncertainty and in recent times times is cryptocurrency, it's lost about half its value since November, Bitcoin being the one uh, which is the largest of the digital currencies that's leading the way there. It's now worth about 49000 Australian dollars. Uh, it was up close to the $100,000 mark not that long ago. Yeah, and Bitcoin was meant to be sort of the digital version of gold in the sense that you'd put your money there in times of uncertainty, but it's not proving that way right now. And America's central bank is also talking about creating a digital version of the US dollar. That's got everyone talking. We'll keep you updated on that one as the year rolls on. We're into the second week of the Australian Open, Claire, and Ash Barty has steamrolled her way through to the quarterfinals in Melbourne. 
was a great match last night. She beat American Amanda Anasimova uh, in straight sets. It was really interesting going into that match to see how that would go because Anasimova had knocked out Naomi Osaka on Friday night. It was a really exciting match, mm, that one. It was. Uh, Ash Barty is heading forward tomorrow. Uh, she's playing another American, Jessica Bagula. Uh, on the men's side of the draw, cross your fingers today for Alex Dimonor. He's up against Italian Yannick Sinner, uh, and he's also hoping to become the first Australian bloke to make the quarterfinals since Nick Kyrgios did that in 2015. Yeah, that understated but very strong fist pump from Ash Barty <laughs> should put a shiver down the spine of other female players in the tournament. Dylan Orcott is also through to the quarterfinals after a wobble, as are doubles partners Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis. Claire, American rocker Marvin Day, also known as Meatloaf, has died at the age of 74. Seems to be someone who has just been around and in our musical heads ever Forever. since. Certainly, yeah, I can remember being alive. So, yeah, a lots of outpouring of grief from his friends. He was a very well-liked figure in the world of rock and roll and music more broadly. He started off his career on Broadway. He was uh, part of the musical Hair which of course was really agenda setting in those days and also the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, But it was his 1977 album, Bad Out of Hell, that really turned him into an icon. Wow, and a couple of decades I think later was I'll Do Anything for Love But I Won't Do That, which I think all of us have had a go at at karaoke over the years. (laughs) And uh, choreographer Andrew Lloyd Webber tweeted, The vaults of heaven will be ringing with rock. Squeeze the day, Claire. What are you looking at? It's Neil Diamond's 81st birthday. I thought if we're going from meatloaf and karaoke and (laughs) I could do anything for love, surely at at that same karaoke session we've also had a go at Sweet Caroline. So (laughs) let's sing along for Neil today. (laughs) We are long deep into the night in this um, fictional karaoke session. Uh, Look, it's hard to trump that. I will be watching Alex Demonor today. That game is scheduled for one o'clock. Thanks for your company today. We'll be back tomorrow. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP.